Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church, right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. Here, I will discuss theology, doctrine, politics, social and cultural issues, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. But basically, I flip tables. Please remember to download each episode. That's very important. Download each episode. Hold on tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Well, I'm back from the cruise, from my cruise that I took with my family, my wife, and, well, most of my children and my grandkids, and a whole bunch of people from our church were able to go. It was a fantastic time. We had a great time. And while we were on that cruise, I was actually able to record a podcast with Eliza, Eliza Ramos, and it's titled Eliza on Fire. And if you missed that one, please go back and listen to it. This is from a young lady that uh, is really making it in life, and and I want I like doing those types of podcasts, those types of interviews, and have people chime in and speak on their experiences because we're living in a world right now where it seems like so many young people and people in general, but especially young people, it, it, they don't want to take responsibility for their life. They want somebody else to do the hard work and pay them to do basically little or nothing, and that's not the case with Eliza. And just before that one. Uh, there's a podcast called The Wisdom of Melissa Chavez. Now, she's done now two podcasts, but her last one, The Wisdom of Melissa Chavez, same thing. Here's a young lady out there making it in the real world and and not taking handouts. Neither of these young ladies are taking handouts. They are actually, yes, hold on to your hats for this, ladies and gentlemen. They're actually paying off their student loans and themselves. They're working hard, making things happen, moving up the ladder of life, so to speak, and they're actually taking care of their own stuff. And they're not expecting somebody else in culture and society to come along and pay it for them or relieve them of debt that they incurred themselves. They're actually making something of themselves. I'm very proud of both of them. It's an exciting thing to watch young people, instead of sitting around complaining what they don't have and demanding somebody else give it to them, they're going out and working hard and getting it. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very proud of these two young ladies and all the young ladies in our church because in my church, you're going to feel very uncomfortable if you're not going to eventually take responsibility for your life, take the bull by the horns and make something of yourself. You just won't because we we tell the truth. And that's it. We just we tell the truth. Um, and, and, and it's working. And it works. Where people hear that kind of message and put it into action, it actually works. Go figure. Just before those two podcasts, I did a couple of podcasts entitled Toxic Masculinity. There was part one and part two. Toxic Masculinity is something that we hear a little bit about. Toxic Masculinity. And it, well, it's silly. It's silly. As a matter of fact, it's so demeaning. It is absolutely so demeaning. And and, uh, around here, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity, okay? Uh, You're either a man or you're not a man. And we're going to continue talking about that because I want to talk to you about that today, about masculinity, true masculinity. What makes a real man? What makes a man truly masculine? What is true masculinity? Well, you know, it wouldn't be so hard to just kind of give you the dictionary uh, definition of that, but... That doesn't cover all the bases. So what I'm trying to do is cover some bases and demyth the size, this nonsense of toxic masculinity that any man that's out there or any male that has some kind of strength is suddenly toxic. You know, some man that 
Oh, he owns a gun. He must be toxic. Oh, he goes to MMA class. He must be toxic. Oh, he, you, you know what I mean? Um, this kind of nonsense is ridiculous, and it really is ridiculous. Uh, men are to are supposed to be many things. One of those things is defender. We're supposed to defend the weak, defend uh, uh, our, the women in our life, our daughters, our mothers, our wives. Defend the weak, those who cannot defend themselves. We're supposed to do that. We're defenders. So that means we're supposed to be fighters. That doesn't mean we go around ruthlessly beating people just because we don't like them. That's not toxic masculinity. That's that's um, criminal. Throw them in jail. But those uh, men are supposed to be at that place where we generally do that. We, we even have to sometimes be violent to protect those around us. So anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Don't get me started, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get me started. I want to read to you an article. And this article is, is entitled, Everything I Know about leadership I learned from Moses. <clears throat> and it's by one Amuna Braverman. Now, um, I apologize. I apologize to anybody that would, would otherwise know. I, I'm not sure if this is a man or a woman. It To me, it looks like a feminine name, Amuna Braverman. Um, it, I'm just not familiar with, with that name, so please forgive me. But it to me, honestly, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. I just like what's in it. Everything Everything I know about leadership, I learned from Moses. And I'm going to put the link where you can find this article if you want to go read it for yourself later. Uh, there was no date attached to this. I, I took it off the internet, so there's no date uh, attached to this. So I don't know exactly when it was written or published, but it's written or published in AISH.com. AISH.com. And uh, again, I'll leave the full link up up in the um, comments. But <clears throat> I really, well, let me just read this. And you'll, you'll catch why I wanted to do this today in light of toxic masculine. <clears throat> Everything I know about leadership I learned from Moses by Emuna Braverman. Are you willing to stand up, look everyone in the eye and say, I'll make it happen? Hollywood did us a big favor. It ensured that everyone knows the name of the most famous leader in Jewish history. Jews and non-Jews the world over recognized that Moses was the man who led the Jewish people out of slavery into freedom. By the way, you could say that Moses was a little violent, but look what his toxic masculinity led to. Millions and millions of people taken out of slavery into freedom. But shh, don't tell our haters. Anyways, back to the article. What the movies don't show, however, are Moses' qualities that made him uniquely suited to this role. These are characteristics inherent in everyone that, if nourished, nurtured and nourished, can help us actualize our personal leadership potential. This power lies dormant in every human being waiting for us to capitalize on it and bring it its promise to fruition. To fully understand the requirements of leadership, as exemplified by Moses, we need to briefly step back in time. Subtitle, Life in the Palace. Moses was raised in the palace. He had wealth and power. He had every material comfort imaginable. In Egyptian culture, Moses had it made. So what did he do? Moses went out to his brethren and observed their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian man striking a Hebrew man of his brethren. He turned this way and that and saw there was no man so he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. In these ancient words lie the secret to modern leadership. Subtitle, Secrets of Leader. 
of a leader. To choose to identify with others is the first essential quality of leadership. Moses went out to his brother. He identified with his people. He didn't have to. He'd made it to he made it out of the ghetto. He didn't have to go back. Indeed, it would cost him to go back and no one would know the difference if he didn't identify with them. He could have continued to lead a totally assimilated, comfortable existence, but he didn't. He went out of his way to identify with his brothers and sisters. If you treat your colleagues and subordinates as real people with real lives, you'll be more successful than if you look at them as either obstacles to or tools for your personal success. If they feel cared about, they are more likely to they are more likely to go the extra mile. I'm sorry, I suddenly I'll dyslexic. Back to the article. There is a moving story in Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work about a manager overhearing a new employee, a single mom, explain to her young son why she didn't buy him a baseball glove. The manager gave her a gift of one the next day and that the mother is now a manager herself. In going out to his people, Moses exhibited the crucial leadership trait of humility. To identify with the Jews oppressed and downtrodden, when all the power of Pharaoh's palace is yours for the taking, requires tremendous humility. Power can lead to arrogance. Moses conquered his ego when he walked out the palace doors. Only someone who is truly humble will, is willing to listen and not constantly be governed by selfish desires or interests can be an effective long-term leader. Recognize that everyone has something to contribute. Listen to their ideas of your co-workers. Give them credit for the good ones. If you are responsive to others, more ideas will come your way. You won't lose. An arrogant boss or peer is ultimately rejected, despised, and ineffective. A corollary of the trait of humility is that you believe in the message, not the messenger. It's not about self-promotion. It's about helping others. It's about teaching others. It's about helping others achieve their potential. It's about the mission. That was Ronald Reagan's power. Whatever your personal opinion of Reagan or his politics, no one denies that he was able to reinfuse a sense of patriotism and pride in his country. Why? Because he believed in the message. In authentic leadership, the power and truth of the message needs to carry the day. Moses observed the burdens of his brothers. Traditional understanding is that Moses empathized with them. Their pain was his pain. Did you ever notice how differently you react when your neighbor's child is bleeding and when your child is bleeding? When your neighbor is fired from his or her job or when you're fired from your job? When your colleague gets a promotion and when you get a promotion? For Moses, their joy was his joy also. Empathy is a key to strong leadership. Everyone needs to feel listen to. Everyone needs to feel understood. Everyone needs to feel appreciated. You can't lead people who feel alienated from you, who feel that your concerns are irrelevant to them. You can't lead people. You have hundreds of pairs of shoes in your closet and people are dying of hunger. You can only lead when everyone's experiences are almost as real as your own. Moses turned his way and that and saw there was no man. In that action, he displayed pragmatism, but more importantly, he took responsibility. Pragmatism is certainly a crucial component of leadership, but beyond the superficial reading of the text lies a more profound idea. Welcome the opportunity to take responsibility. Ooh, I'm going to say that again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome the opportunity to take responsibility. In Ethics of Our Fathers, it says, 
in the place where there is no man, strive to be a man. Oh my gosh, I, I need to say that again. This is straight from this article. In Ethics of Our Fathers, it says, in the place where there is no man, strive to be a man. And that's what we're talking about with these podcasts. A leader is not necessarily someone who has all the op- appropriate talent in place for the job at hand. A leader is someone who sees the job at hand and does something about it, who recognizes the task is crucial and no one else is doing it, making it happen. Seth Godin writes in Fast Company that what holds up someone's company's ability is cha- to change is the absence of someone who is willing to stand up, look everyone in the eye and say, I'll make it happen. He doesn't say a genius is missing. He doesn't say an MBA from Wharton is missing. He doesn't say that someone with a particular managerial talent is missing. What's missing is someone willing to take responsibility. The defining character trait of a leader is someone who is willing to take responsibility. Someone who is willing to step up to the plate because the job needs to be done. Moses was that person. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't experienced. He stuttered when he spoke. But when God saw his people were in trouble, when he saw a job that needed to be done, he acted. He took responsibility, even at the risk of his own life. Therefore, the Almighty chose him to lead. It wasn't magical or supernatural. You don't have to have the charisma of JFK or even Bill Clinton. I don't know why she chose that person, but whatever. You just have to choose. We demonstrate to ourselves, our partners, our children, our friends, our car colleagues, our community, what is important to us by our actions. It's up to us. We can actualize that latent potential. Think about it. What are you willing to risk? What are the crucial jobs that need to be done? Don't wait. Carpe diem. Anyways, that's how she ended it. Anyways, I really like that except for the Bill Clinton part. Um, But nonetheless, that's just a personal issue with me. But even as I was reading this yet again, I, there was a, a few things that just jumped out at me. And of course, it's number one, just take responsibility. And um, there were some things that just jumped out because it, it was, uh, because what I, we, what I just read to you is so lacking in so many, especially men, unfortunately. And and we, we live in this era in this time where masculinity, true masculinity, is is being assaulted. But what really gets me more than that, because that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that there's some weak people out there that don't understand what a real man is. I, I understand that. I, I get that. But what I don't understand and what I don't get is why so many men are cowering to these other weak people. Why, why are real men, or what should be real men, I'm assuming that I would like to think they're real men, why are why are the men in our culture and society cowering to I'm I'm trying to be nice here but to the weak now you, you well, well well who are these weak people you're talking about well the feminists feminists is one of the weakest group of whiny people that I've ever seen I'm not talking about feminism in its more traditional role I'm talking about modern feminism basically it's a bunch of just hateful old bags that um that they have a big chip on their shoulder and I don't even think they believe half of the things they claim they believe in and what they're fighting for. It's just they're angry, mean, nasty people and they're just going to let their voices be heard. Why? Because, well, I don't know why. They just feel like nobody else is listening to them, so let's do this. And one of the problems with this nasty group of, as, as Rush Limbaugh used to call them, feminazis, and that's pretty much what they are. They're Nazis, a bunch of whiny... Um, anyways, I, I'm, I'm really trying to be nice here, ladies and gentlemen. I really try to be 
nice. But when, when I see such wickedness in our society, wickedness getting a main place in our society, wickedness that otherwise good people are bowing down to, I, I, I find it very difficult to choose a language. I don't cuss. Okay, so I don't think you guys have to worry about that. But I, I can be very graphic in my language. Like, I have no problem, you know, if I was just sitting down with a friend, I have no problem calling, you know, the modern feminist movement a group of old uh, uh, ugly witches and bags and hags and, and skanks and, and whores. And, and I have no problem saying that. Now, I wouldn't say that on the air, of course, because uh, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me and my stance. But yeah, if I was sitting down and really was able to share my whole heart with somebody that we can just keep it between ourselves. Oh, yeah, I, I could rip up the feminist movement and all of that because I'm so against it. I'm, I'm, I'm totally against it. It's a wicked, evil unrighteous, unholy, ungodly uh, um, movement, if you will, group, organization, whatever you want to call it. It's just people are nasty. Anyways, and one of the things that they come against quite often is is men. You know, they, they want to kill your babies. They want to kill their babies. And they want you to kill your baby. Right off the get-go, wicked. You know, they, they, they hide behind certain things. Like, oh, all we're after is just equality. Really? Really? Okay, so you want the ability to say whether or not your, the baby in your own body lives or dies. Well, what about the man that helped make that baby? You want to take that right away. Where's the equality there? Huh? There's no equality with the feminist movement. Not at all. And we've already known. It's been proven over and over and over again. There is no age gap. I'm Age gap. Age gap. Wage. <laughs> wage. Wage gap between men and women anymore. Now, Now, granted, please don't misunderstand me. Is this a perfect science that in absolutely every area of culture and society out in the work world, that if there's a man doing the job and a woman doing the job, it's exactly equal? Well, I would have to say absolutely not. But there's some parts in that same scenario where m women are paid far more than men. So in the end, it pretty much balances itself out. Okay, anyways, that's another here nor there but but they come against men and any man that just acts like a man thinks like a man walks like a man talks like a man who's just masculine i'm not talking a troublemaker i'm not talking about violent just masculine is suddenly toxic he's 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 exhibiting toxic masculinity why because that man who's truly masculine makes them feel um off because they're no longer at the top at the local party or wherever wherever they're going, wherever they're hanging out with. Even to the point that if a, if men have a men's club, men's only club, well, that's toxic masculinity. We got to shut that down. Ha however, women are allowed to have all women's clubs. See, this is how ridiculous it is. They talk about equality, but there's no true equality. And I don't, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to be equal with women. I know this. I'm not better than women. I know this. I'm not worse than women. I just don't want to be equal with them in that sense. You know, there's certain things that, I can do much better than my wife, okay? There are certain things that the responsibility is on me because I'm a man. And it's not even because of the of my uh, gender, um, but it's it's because there are certain things, like for instance, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a physically stronger than my wife, okay? And that's just a general rule of thumb. Men are generally stronger than women, okay? So when it comes to construction type of work around the house, I generally do it. She might help a little bit, but I generally do it. But there are certain things that her, because of her physique and being a woman, she's much better at. 
and so she does it. That's completely fine with me. That's absolutely fine with me. She she runs our, our coffee shop and, and she does a much better job because she has a more feminine touch. She's in, in that sense, she's she's better with customers, she's better with people. You know, that's not me. I'm not blaming that on being a man or woman. I just, I'm just saying, I don't want to be considered equal with her on everything. Equal in the sense of importance. Equal in the sense of, of you know, we, I have, you know, the things I'm good at. Let me do them. She has the things she's good at. Let her do them in that sense. But no, we're not equal. Not on everything. And so, if we were to make a list, you know, construction, who's better? Well, Rob is. I am uh, dealing with people and their problems and issues. Oh, 100%, my wife, 100%. So far, we're equal one-to-one. But notice we're not equal in those things. Anyways, this whole idea that's being blasted against men is so crazy. So anyways, I, I, I wanted to talk about leadership with Moses uh, and use this article as a backdrop because I want to talk to you men, especially, and the ladies who love their men, okay? So this is for you ladies as well. But men, this is for you because I have some questions I want to ask you. Because in this article, taking responsibility, just rising up, standing up, and taking the bull by the horns, so to speak, and taking responsibility. Where there was no man, as it says here, be that man. And Moses did just that. Now, when he killed the Egyptian, I'm not saying that was the best thing for Moses to do, but at least he did something, all right? At least he did something. And it cost him. He had to run. He had to leave Egypt. He was gone for 40 years because of that uh, foolishness, because he made a, uh, he did, he had the right heart in the sense he wanted to help his people, but he did it the wrong way. Remember, he was a prince. And the, the taskmaster were actually worked worked for him. He could have got him fired, you know, or relocated at least. He could have done it differently, but he chose to kill the guy. And I don't know, maybe it was just an accident. Maybe he just went over to slap him and he lost control. I don't know. I'm just saying, but you know the end of the story. He ends up leading millions of people, his own people, out of bondage, out of slavery, and to the promised land. He became a great, great, great leader in the end, all right? But he did something. He took the bull by the horn. He makes something happen. When God called him, originally he didn't want to go. Remember the burning bush? Hey, Moses, go get my people. Who, me? I stutter. I can't speak straight. I can't do this. I can't do this. Take Aaron. He's going to go with you. He'll be your mouthpiece. Oh, okay. So anyways, he goes and does it. Ten plagues. They're free. And um, he gets them to the promised land. Turns out to become a great leader. Why? Because he took responsibility. He stood up. He rose up. He did something about the problem and the mess that he saw his people. He wasn't. First, he was in the palace. He didn't have to do anything. All right. Later on, when God called him out of the wilderness, he was uh, with the priest of Midian, the uh, son-in-law of the priest of Midian. So he had a pretty good job in that regard. Maybe not exactly the palace, but he wasn't going hungry. He was a shepherd. So they had, they had food. He took care of them. He was doing fine. He was doing okay. And God called him out of all of that and says, my people are suffering. I want you to go get them. He took responsibility for other people's lives that he hadn't been directly connected with really his entire life. The first 40 years, he grew up in the palace. The next 40 years was in the land of Midian. So he didn't have a lot, maybe some, but a lot of interaction with his own people. But he still took responsibility for them. Now, why why am I bringing that up in this regard? Because men, I want to ask you this question. We have come under such attack 
because anytime we stand up and just start acting like men and do what men are supposed to do, we, we, we get labeled toxic. And, and, and I, I want to tell you something. I just I want to just throw this out to you. So what? So what? Men, don't worry about who agrees with you or who likes what you do or you don't do. Just do it. Do the right thing. Take responsibility. And, well, well, you know, I take responsibility for myself. Fantastic. Great place to start. That's the first place you start. Take responsibility for yourself. But what about the people around you? And I'm not talking about just your wife and your children. Yes, take responsibility for them. Absolutely. If you can't, I'm sorry, you're not a man. You might be a male, but you're not a man. But what about the rest of the people around you? What about culture, society? What about some of the ills in our society? So let me, I, I just jotted down some questions that I want to ask you. Um, I jot them down on my little whiteboard. Why are so many children in our culture and society being abused physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually? Why are so many children being abused? I'll tell you why. Lack of true men willing to do something about it, taking responsibility for it, rising up and putting a stop to it. Why is there so much spousal abuse, so many wives being abused by their husband? Again, because the true men around these women and these men that are abusers are not rising up and doing something about it. Why is there so much rape? Why is there so much rape and, and sexual assault and molestation? Because again, a lack of true men willing to do something about it. Real men not wanting to take, or men, I shouldn't say real men, but men not wanting to take responsibility for somebody else. But you see, Moses did. He took the responsibility for, some scholars say there was two all the way up to 5 million people. So let's say 3 million people. Moses rose up, answered the call, and took responsibility for 3 million people, most of which he's never had any contact with. But why? Because they were suffering. They were suffering, and God himself says, listen, will you go get my people? Yes, I'm going to go get them. Why? Because he was a real man. A real man. Some would even say he was a toxic man. He manifested. I can't even get it out. I'm dyslexic today. He manifested some toxic masculinity. Did you see what he did to the Egyptian? Yeah, he killed him. I'm not saying I even fully agree with that, but but put yourself in the, in his shoes at that moment. He goes out there to be with his brethren, get to know them, hang out with them, talk to them, and he sees an Egyptian beating one of his own people. And he ran over there to defend a member of his own clan, his own people, the Jewish people, and in the process killed the Egyptian who was beating this guy. Yeah, I don't feel too sorry for that Egyptian. Anyways, back to my questions. Why is there so much, why is there such, you know, sex trafficking? Why is there so much sex traffic? Why? Because real men are not rising up to stop it. By the way, men, listen to me. Listen to me. This has nothing to do with religion. This has everything to do with you being a man, a true man true man if that's what you actually are a true man would never pay for sex a true man also would never especially pay for it or have those types of relationships sexual relationships with a minor so when i ask why is there so much sex trafficking because the males that are responsible for it the actual trafficking itself or paying for it they're not real men they're not real men you know, right now you hear a lot of talk about Epstein's Island and Epstein's client list and everything. I, I don't know who's on that list. Don't care who's, well, I do care. I, let me take that back. I do care who's on that list. And I really want to know who's on this on that list. And I want every one of them behind bars, okay? And they keep telling me I'm not allowed to think this way, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings too much. They all ended up on the end of a rope. But 
nonetheless, they should at least be behind bars. But there isn't one man. Now listen to me close. There isn't one man on that list. I'll say it again. There isn't one man on that list. There might be some males, but there's not one man on that list. Because the males that went to visit Epstein Pedophile Island and knew him and all of that, they're not true men. Because a true man would protect all those minors and all those children on that island and keep them safe from these perverts and not join in their perversion. Because that's what true men do. True men protect those who are weaker, those who are in harm's way, those who are hurting, especially the women and especially children. So there's not one true man on that list. Some males, but not men. <sighs> okay, men, why is there so much perversion in our schools? And why is it being taught in our schools as something that's supposed to be normal? Why is there so much perversion in our culture and society? If we're truly men, shouldn't we stand up and demand that that nonsense stop, especially with our children, our sons and our daughters, in, in grade school and such? They're teaching them all kinds of perversion. When are we as men going to rise up and say enough's enough? Well, you don't understand, you know. Uh, um, my job, you know, if they found out that I went out and I protested or said something or wrote a letter or anything, I could get fired. Well, then get fired. You don't need that kind of garbage job anyway. Go get a better job with somebody who understands and will stand with you. Come on. That's what real men do. Real men don't allow themselves to be pigeonholed by wickedness, perversion, and evil. Real men stand against it. If you're working in a job where if you stand up for righteousness that could get you fired, then go get fired. And I'm wondering why more men aren't getting fired if that's truly the case. One more question for the real. Why are there so many drugs, dealers and such in our neighborhoods? Why are there so many? We were just on this cruise and somehow, someway, somebody got a bunch of the, you know, pot on the, on the ship. And listen, you, you people out there, I, you, you guys who think it's really cool to smoke pot for whatever reason uh, it, it just blows my mind to be honest with you that stuff smells like again there might be children listening so i'll say it this way it smells like skunk urine it literally smells like you are smoking skunk urine there's nothing uh, desirable attractive masculine there's nothing nothing like that it's nonsense and it's garbage well, I, I smoke it for my anxiety real men deal with their anxiety in a real world way real men don't try to mask their anxiety with a chemical especially skunk urine all right so if you if you're so anxious you're so fearful or whatever and you've got to mask it with some skunk urine weed i mean come on you're pathetic i'm not talking to the people who genuinely and you know who you are genuinely have a medical condition and that 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 the smoking or the the taking in of of marijuana or you know some marijuana kind of based product actually helps you i'm not talking about that there is true some true true medical reasons why people would do that but come on the whole stupid yeah it's for my glaucoma you're 25 years old dude it's for my anxiety get over it i would make some concessions even on a personal level for those who have been in war and maybe suffering from ptsd but i would say don't ever mask it or don't use that as a mask only go and get the really help that you need so you can get off all of it so there are some few people out there that i would go okay okay that's fine trust me that the people that snuck this stuff onto the ship or got this on the ship because even the cruise ship say it doesn't matter where it's legal we're not allowing it here but they certainly didn't do anything to stop it because the whole 
you know, at certain decks completely reeked of skunk urine, all right? Because these dudes were up there out on the deck smoking that stuff, and it was garbage. I don't know, you know, people say, well, it's good for you. It's actually not bad for you. No, no, no. I, listen, I don't want no skunk pea brain, okay? That's just, just the truth. I don't want skunk pea brain. That stuff all goes to your brain. It gets in your blood. goes to your brain. you got skunk pea brain, all right? it's not good it's not good and it does you know it may make you think you're doing okay but that's the deceptive part of smoking that kind of stuff it makes you think that it's okay and it's cool and you're smarter and you're healthier and all that it's garbage it's garbage i got some people that really are in the know on this stuff okay and they say you know this isn't the stuff that that was around in the 80s and the 70s and the 80s this stuff is so synthetic and so manipulated that it's literally killing people and it's getting them addicted because people, that's one thing people say, pot doesn't get you addicted. This pot does. It fries your brain. It's destroying it. And I mean, come on. You walk around smelling like a skunk peed on you. You walk around smelling disgusting. And what does it make you look like? An idiot. I'm just being honest with you. So I'm talking to the real men out there, not the not the people, not the males who have to smoke this stuff to help their anxiety because life is just too much for them. Dude, you're 25 years old. Everything, you, you know, you got your health, you got everything. What are you so anxious about? If you got anxiety because of that, I don't know, check yourself into the mental ward or something because there's something deeper going on there. Stop Stop using that as an excuse and grow up is my point. Be a man. Quit being a little boy. Because that's what little children do. That's what little boys do. All right? So so back to the real men. What are we going to do about this, men? Honestly, really, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about all the ills of society? We, we, we could say, you know, well, you know, we got to vote the right people. We, that's true. All of those things need to put in place. But nothing really is going to change until real men rise up and say enough is enough. We're putting our foot down. This is going to stop. You're going to stop teaching that garbage in our school. You're going to stop peddling that garbage on the corner. You're going to stop trafficking these children and these women. We're putting a stop to it. We're putting a stop to it. It's time that real men rise up. Let them call you toxic. Let them call you violent. Let them call you crazy. Who cares? We just need to get the job done and fix the ills of society. We need to rise up and show them that we're not going to back down anymore. And, and and before anybody says anything, please, before anybody starts, hey, he's just so violent. He's calling for a violent uprising. I didn't say that at all. And that's not what I'm talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just letting our voices be heard in such a way that show the rest of the world we are are not messing around anymore. The sleeping giant is rising up. We're putting our foot down and we're saying enough is enough. You got that right. Thank you again for joining us at Table Flippers. Please check out our merchandise. We have hats, hoodies, water bottles, all kinds of cool things. You can find all of the, our merchandise at tableflippers.com. That's tableflippers.com. And please write me. Please let me know how I'm doing. Write me at GWCCRobert, that's one word, GWCCRobert at gmail.com. Give me the good letters, give me the bad letters, tell me the great things I'm doing, tell me the bad things I'm doing. I want to hear it all. Have a great day.